I have witnessed more healing and more transformation through us witnessing each other because that's how we learn that we model. Mm -hmm. And because you've had that experience of going from sickness consciousness, because essentially that's what it is, right? There's things that are off in our mental atmosphere that drove us to make certain decisions, which then we pay the price of having the illness experience. What I'm finding in my journey is I've gotten really stuck on certain things. And I am seeing that it's more and more about identity shifting, right? It's a lot of the mental game. It's, I mean, and it's like a roller coaster. Recovery is a roller coaster, but your mind and the way you are, it's almost like learning to be happy with who you are. Welcome back in visionaries to the dream into being podcast where mind science, transformational psychology and magic all merge into one. If you're ready to dream again and transcend the inertia of what you've known, then I invite you to join me, your host and envisioneer Kat Divine in expanding the boundaries of your own Fantasia by remembering that you are the master you've been waiting for. Welcome back, everybody. Today is such an exciting episode. It is something that is probably the nearest and dearest to me in so many ways out of all of the topics that we explore on the show, mainly because it is the one piece of the puzzle in my own personal life that has really humbled me and has really been a consistent thread that has really forced me into exploring much deeper parts of the human journey. And in a lot of ways, I find it to be such an incredible blessing and a huge challenge at the same time. So I'm really, really excited to share today's guest with you guys because she's somebody that came into my life at the exact perfect moment, kind of when something in me changed and I just knew that I was ready to let go of illness consciousness. I mean, and that's kind of what we explore on the show is that everything about our life is a state of consciousness that just manifests into physical form in our life and our reality. And what I find fascinating is what the transformation is of going from one consciousness to the other. And so in this case, this is our kickoff episode for the healing experiment series. And I could not be happier with this being the guest that opens up this conversation because I was letting her know that unfortunately I don't know that many people that have actually experienced the full healing journey to conclusion to where they're thriving. So I'm in the process still myself. I am working on recording my own solo episode to share more with you guys about my journey But I'm so excited to introduce you guys today to one of my dear friends, Iwana. And you know what? I'm going to have you say your last name because I don't want to butcher it. (laughs) I'm glad you got the first name right. But yes, it's Barago, Iwana Barago. Okay, perfect. And I met Iwana, I think it was about a year and a half, close Mm -hmm. close to a year and a half. Maybe two years almost. Maybe, yes. And she was just a 
heaven on earth angel that got sent to me in a really scary time period of my life. Um, we're going to dive into some vulnerable topics of, uh, you know, kind of the beauty industry and what that can do, what the pressures of that can do to us women, especially when we're young. And I, at the age of 21, got breast implants. And of course, the goal, I had good intentions. It was you know, hoping that that would fix some insecurities. And little did I know that did not do that for me at all. And in fact, I ended up experiencing a breast implant illness that really aggravated my entire healing journey to a point that at some, at some moments, I didn't know if it was recoverable. And so going into that phase of knowing, I mean, really knowing that that was the next step for me was definitely scary. I had had a history of surgeries that always went bad. And I was just really terrified to do even one more thing that I thought could harm my body. And then comes Iwana and really handheld me through this whole process. And I just, yes, I want to actually hand it over to you because one of the things that I do a little bit different on this show is instead of reading my guests' bios, I actually give you guys a moment to celebrate yourself and to give you the space to do like a mini brag session of how amazing you are. It's something that I don't think we often get to do. And I want to create that space for you to share with my listeners how amazing you are and all of the incredible things that you've accomplished, especially through the lens of the healing journey, because it is such a popular topic and there's so much confusion around it. So I would love for you to just kind of introduce yourself briefly and do a little bragging. Oh God, I'm bright. I, I mean, that's going to be hard to do because I, I don't think I'm an amazing person. I mean, I do feel positive on some things, but I need to work on many things. Like I'm sure everybody feels the same way, but my name is Iwana, of course. And I think we met two years ago when you came in. I actually still remember when you came in the office and you were just so kind and sweet, but my whole goal is to make you feel comfortable, is to make all of our patients feel comfortable in the industry we are in. And I think that's a big reason why I feel that I am doing positive things for other people. Do I think that I'm perfect? Not even close. There's a lot of things I need to work on. Um, it's been about five years that I've been really closely working personally with everybody in the industry. Dr. Dr. Becker has been doing the explant journey for a lot longer than I have, but I'm the one that's holding everyone's hand, talking them through it and going through it like I did. And I think that is one of my most positive aspects and, you know, traits that I have that I can, you know, leave this earth knowing I did good by helping so many women. Mm -hmm. I am not again, perfect at it, but my whole goal is just to make everyone feel comfortable. And I think that's the best thing I have accomplished in my life besides saving dogs. But I definitely think that this journey of explant and helping women 
mentally, physically, the whole part has been the most rewarding jobs that I've had ever. Wow. Okay. We're going to have to circle back to the saving dogs part because (laughs) I just literally last week interviewed somebody who has a rescue movement. So I'll have to, wow. I'll have to find out what you did and see if there's a connection there, but well, I'm going to the shelter today. I go to the shelter every week and then I help rescues all of the time. So let me know. Yeah, I love, I mean, all animals, I love them, but I'm huge on dog rescue and helping dogs. And I just adopted two more. So we have four now. So, oh my gosh. Okay. If you ever come across a little fawn chihuahua, like a couple years old, call me. (laughs) Well, I just adopted two of them. I, and I actually found my girlfriend one that's a year and a half and she's three pounds, gorgeous little chihuahua. And she was yeah, on the street and beautiful. And th- those are easy to find. So okay. if you want, I will help you. Okay. See, I'll help you with this journey and with a dog. I know. And you know what? It's so interesting because the healing journey itself, at least what I'm learning, is that it is so rooted in connection. So it kind of makes perfect sense that your heart is called in that direction, whether it's helping animals or helping your fellow sisters. And I will say that this is such a massive topic in so many ways. Um, But just in the interest of kind of keeping things focused for today, for today's episode, I do want to touch on what might feel like some deep, dark, scary places for women emotionally and mentally and psychologically. Because going back to just the intro of my story, at 21 years old, you know, we don't really, we don't know ourselves. All we know is that we want connection and that we want to be loved and accepted. And, you know, it was much different back then. That was over 20 years ago. (laughs) Didn't quite have the social media that we have today. So I wasn't inundated with all of the images that we're seeing plastered all over our world constantly. So I can only imagine that it might be a little bit tougher for young women at this time as well. But I would love it if you would share, kind of take us back in time and share what your journey was, what your motivations were, if you're open to sharing any of the insecurities and kind of what the process was getting the implants put in and how all Yeah. I mean, I'm with you because we're close to the same generation. I just think at 21, I think I was 19. Mm -hmm. We were, I mean, I was very insecure. I still have insecurities, but nothing like it was. I always pictured every girl has a perfect body, perfect skin, perfect breasts. And I just thought I was different. I hated how small they were. They were probably asymmetric. I never loved my breasts. So just like every woman back then, even if you loved your breast, everyone was getting implants. And I just thought this is the thing to do. So I went and got them done. Honestly, I think one of my girlfriends had them done. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to go get them done. And I was so insecure, even after getting them done, I didn't like them. I went and got them done again, six Mm -hmm. months later. Um, so I had two breast implants um, and one exchange in one year, all of it, because I was just very insecure. Mm-hmm. Um, did it ever fill that void? No. Um, did I ever feel like prettier or anything? No, not at all. I definitely think 
insecurity played a role. And when you say breast implants, everyone back then was like, ooh, that's sexy. That's Pamela Anderson. And I just felt it was a sexy thing to do. But yeah, I regret it for sure. But I don't, I wouldn't change it. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is I feel like I learned so much through the explant journey. Um, I myself had my implants removed 13 and a half years ago, I think way before most people have, you know, I mean that I, that I know. So in July of July 5th, 2010, I just said, I hate my breast. I'm 40 pounds heavier. I don't feel good. I fatigued. I I just didn't feel like myself, Mm -hmm. but 13 years ago, living in LA, I didn't think implants is what was making me feel that way. Fortunately, I heard of Dr. Becker and someone told me he's amazing. So I flew out from California. And when I saw him, he said, you're going to feel really good after surgery. And I just remember thinking, I don't care how I feel. I just want to look good. That's all I cared about 13 years ago. I mean, I was in my twenties then still. And um, after surgery immediately, I was like, I already feel good. I started feeling lighter. I lost weight. I loved how they were perky and the way he made them look too. Love physically, I love the way I look, but I just felt better. My energy level, um, it just really changed my life completely, more than I ever thought it would. And then here I am 13 years later, helping women through the journey. And I feel like everything happened for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I feel that maybe we just need to take a step back and think, you know, we need to love ourselves. And I didn't at all. And I see more breasts than probably most women out there. And there's no such thing as a perfect breast ever. Right. No one models. We do models, actresses, young girls, old fit women, everyone. There's no such thing as perfect breasts. And I feel if everyone worked in our office and saw everybody, they would finally accept themselves and say, gosh, I'm not so bad. I'm why am I so hard on myself? You know, pictures are one thing. Bras do another thing. But we just need to I mean, bras like come everyone. I can look like a Victoria's Secret model with a bra on. You know, we just have to accept what we naturally have. And yeah, that was my journey with Explant. And now I get to help so many women with it. And I love it. It's, it's, It's a lot of work, but it's so fun. I know. And so I want to touch on there's so many layers to this, right? So there's the physical layer of, you know, at women experiencing so many different levels of breast implant illness. Cause you guys, we're kind of the guinea pig generation of being tested on all these new products and new ideas. And I remember going into it being so convinced that it was safe because it was so normal, you know, and so there was no consideration by any means that that it could cause any harm. So that was a big wake up call for me. So there's that level. And then there's the emotional level of, okay, what is it that we are? What is it that we're actually after? And so for me, it was definitely thinking that it was a way to uh, improve my self-esteem, to be more attractive. um, Yeah. And just to kind of, like you said, fit the mold. And so a lot of this goes back to 
some deep layers of brainwashing. And that is, you know, that's another aspect of what I want to explore and like pull the curtain back because you've had this really beautiful perspective, like you said, of seeing the actual reality. You know, all of us just have these images in our head of photoshopped images of beauty and these high ideals that we strive for. And then the internal experience is so, it can be so awful. And what a shame, like Mm -hmm. what, what a horrible thing for us to be so confused and to really not be in touch with actual reality. So there's that layer. And then there's also the spiritual layer of, you know, like you were sharing just the appreciation of going through the experience and then rising through it. So I would love to kind of go through each of those layers and let's do it. We'll start with the physical part. So if anybody is listening to this and maybe this is the first time that they're really getting a chance to hear what breast implant illness is. Can you share with them maybe what some of the symptoms were that you experienced and or what are some common things to look out for? Because I'll say it was very hard for me. It took me a couple of years to be willing to even connect the dots because I was so attached and I didn't want, I didn't want to go through the process. So denial. Yes. Yes. So if you can just share what are some of the things you experienced and what are the things that are really common? Yeah. I mean, I, myself personally, I was 40 pounds heavier. I had really bad rosacea, eczema, dermatitis. They don't, they never knew what it was. Um, Heart palpitations. I had so much pain, fatigue, depression, anxiety. Do I blame everything on my implants? I don't. Mm -hmm. I had, ironically, I had all of these things at that point in my life and suddenly this foreign object comes out of my life. I lose weight a lot easier. All the inflammation changes. My face, my face changes, my skin rashes. I've had one skin rash in 13 years and I used to have them weekly. Um, the pains, do I still get anxiety sometimes maybe, but I'm not at the ER. Like I used to be, I used to sit in front of the ER because I thought my heart was just going to stop and I was close enough where they can, mm-hmm. you know, cater to me if I needed. So I don't have the life and health I had in my twenties. It's since I had implants and I put them together because ironically that stuff just doesn't disappear like that. And it did. I mean, I did, I wasn't healed overnight, but when I say like that, it was like a year and a half, a journey of detoxing and it really changed my life. Do I still think my palpitations were from my implants? I don't know. But when you have a heavy object sitting on your diaphragm near your heart, near your lungs, yeah, that's going to affect your body. You weren't born with it. And I do think that these symptoms are, are real. Do I have a lot of patients that come in and tell me, I have 500 symptoms and they're all from my implants, yet I'm eating bad or I'm not exercising or I'm smoking. So you have to find that balance. You can do so much in your life, but without removing the foreign object, you're never going to be at that peak level and vice versa. You can't, you know, do horrible things, take out the implants and feel that you're just going to be healed. It's a big journey, but most women's top five symptoms, fatigue, brain fog, weight gain with inflammation, rashes on their skin, and 
you know, eyes are a big thing. I, it's just a very strange thing, but people's eyes, they're like red, um, right after surgery, they're white around it. They look more vibrant and and it's real and it's not lighting. It's not the makeup. It's truly different. So those are the symptoms physically that I felt and what I see most common. Wow. Okay. And I have to agree. (laughs) I, you know, what? it's amazing. If you guys can get on Google and just type in like before and afters of 24 hour before and afters of women's faces after their explant, I think you'll be pretty amazed. That was kind of what clicked for me is I saw exactly that. I saw this puffiness in people's faces and like a dullness in the eyes. And then their 24 hour after photo, it was this brightness in their skin. It's almost like there's no words for it, but there was more vitality in the body Mm -hmm. and you could see it. And so I actually did my 24 hour photo the next day because I was curious. I was like, I want to see if it's going to happen for me too. And it absolutely did. It was pretty shocking to see how dull everything was before that. And I just didn't, I didn't notice, I guess I was so used to it. You get immune to it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and the weight gain and and literally everything you listed. I was like, yeah, all of that was there. And us talking about it is like, you know, we're talking about it and saying, and people listening who haven't gone through it are like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Or maybe I feel that way. But once you go through it, it's so it's not something you can explain like we're trying to do. And we actually have so many doctors that do follow us and people who do research in our for our office and they will see these patients. And after following us for six months to a year, they're like, that person looks so different. That person, their blood work is different. They they feel their energy, everything about it. You will see a difference. It's it's mm-hmm. one in 500 cases, maybe that people are like, mm, I don't see a difference at all. Okay. Everybody sees some sort of difference. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And it makes perfect sense. I mean, like you said, it's a foreign object that we're putting yeah. inside of our body. And we are in such a strange culture where that is so normalized that we don't think twice about it. I know. It's like, here, put it in. I don't even know you. <laughs> and we don't even know most of the doctors. It's like, oh, we're just a friend went to you. So cut cut me open, put me under and put this foreign object in. I know. Yeah. But it's just like, you know, foreign objects can affect you with valve replacements, knee replacements, any foreign object can reject the body. Something Mm -hmm. there's just such a taboo with implants. People think it's so crazy. Why would an implant do it? It it's strange to me, but we see it all the time. And yeah, it's not something you were born with. Right. Yeah. Okay. So the next piece of the puzzle that is kind of my forte, this is the area of life that I get the most curious about is our identity and like our emotional body and kind of what is the narrative that we're telling ourselves about our life. And (laughs) so that's really where, to me, I feel like the root really starts there. In, and this is across the board in any part of our life, whether we're talking about manifestation or abundance or creation or the healing journey, everything seems to come down to our personal story. Like what story is it that we're telling ourselves about ourselves? And as I've been progressing in my healing journey, I've been like 
really very humbled you guys about how attached I was to my sickness story. There was something, maybe an emotional component to even feeling safe to find a way to retreat. And it just came and manifested in the form of uh, health challenges that lasted for decades. So again, I want to go back to what you were saying, Iwana, is that we're not pointing the finger at these specific things as being the monsters. They were just characters in our show. Like they were just pieces of the puzzle to allow us to have this experience. So that's the other layer that I wanted to explore with you is, did you also find that maybe at some point in your life, and maybe it goes back to safety, right? Like what you were even sharing about the anxiety and being close to the hospital in the state of fear versus now you are this like grounded, powerful, empowered woman that I don't get that same sense at all. So I'm really curious what maybe where you identified early on in life and what that transition looked like. And then what is the story that you tell yourself now? Because I do think that's the key in all of this. Yeah. I mean, I think your mind is the most powerful thing um, that we were gifted with in our heart. And I do think that growing up, I've always had an amazing childhood, family, friends. I can never look back and say my trauma stemmed from much. I mean, I wasn't privileged. We were very poor. We moved from a third world country. I was born in a communist country and then came here. So, and my parents worked at McDonald's and cleaned medical offices. So I didn't have a privileged life, but I was very loved by my family and friends. And I never had trauma that I look back and say, where did all this anxiety and insecurity and where did this all stem from? Could it be, you know, media, movies, all of that, maybe, but I truly think the mind in my teens and 20s was the weakest I have ever been. I wanted to people please everybody. I wanted to always look good. I was, a, you know, I had horrible relationships and I probably take a lot of blame for it because I allowed a lot of things um, at that time in my life. But I do think I... And one of those people, and I used to be where I just wanted to please everybody around me, but I wasn't really happy within. And you, you know, I, I definitely think that you could probably relate to that. You seem like you're, you're so genuinely nice all of the time, but I can see even in your younger years, I can only imagine oh. how people probably walked all over. You took your, you know, kindness for weakness. And um, yeah, I do think the mind is one of the most powerful things. And I, Obviously, we wish we could be who we are now in our 20s and make yes. different decisions, but we're here for a reason. Um, but yeah, something changed after my implants came out. It wasn't like, oh, I'm confident now. It was, okay, now I'm on this health journey and I don't care about my perfect breast implants. I don't care about being a certain weight. I can gain a few pounds and I'm probably happier than I was 10 pounds less. Um, I don't care about my stretch marks. I don't care about in anything like that. So I do. And now I'm almost 40. I'm about to be 40. And I'm more confident than I've ever been in my life. Yeah. And 
I just think it's my mind. It's not just the implants. It's everything around me um, that I just, I don't accept things anymore. I have boundaries and mm -hmm. it is what it is. We're all on this, this earth to live a good life. We all want to be happy. We all want to be good to other people for the most part, but no one really cares what we do at the end of the day. So mm -hmm. why should you care so much and be so hard on yourself when you make mistakes? So yeah, I, I love I, I love the journey I'm in now way more than I did in my younger years. Mm -hmm. And insecurity played a big role. That's yeah. a huge thing. Yeah. And so did you notice, I mean, and I'm guessing that if you, on a spiritual level, if you lined up with explant surgery way before it was a thing, like it's kind of like there was some magic at play, right? With life purpose, because I didn't hear about it being a thing until more recently. So for you to have had access to this wisdom 13 years ago and to go through yeah. the process, it I'm assuming that at some level there was an identity shift that occurred even before uh, the surgery itself for you to line up with that experience. So was there anything that happened at, like at all, even if it was on a spiritual level? Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. I was living in Los Angeles and I think that I, I moved to LA at my most insecure years. I didn't know who I was. I had $200 in my pocket, but I do think I kind of found myself while, while living there. There are so many people without identities in LA and I was right in the heart of West Hollywood in that scene. I knew a lot of people in the scene. And I think when I figured no one is a real friend or it's a very cold world out here, is when I really started, you know, becoming a little more confident in who I was. And then I just, you know, I just didn't care about my implants. It was really random why I wanted them out, but I didn't feel good. Yeah. I just remember they were so heavy and I couldn't run anymore. I'm a runner and I couldn't run with them. I just didn't feel right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what happened. And when I was, I was going to go to a surgeon out there and he was trying to convince me to keep them in and something in me and my gut told me, no, I don't want them. And I don't want to exchange them. And somehow a friend of a friend knew of a surgeon in Arizona and they just said, fly out, just meet him and see what you think. I met him and I was like, when can I do surgery? It was like, a good decision. And I don't know, that's probably what turned it, but I really do think I was over the implants and kind of ahead of the game and time right? when I did it for sure. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. So then coming back to the third layer that we were talking about, I am a firm believer that we all have a purpose in life, a, like a higher calling or what I call a Dharma. And one of the most exciting ones that I am witnessing just kind of transform the collective consciousness right now is the rise of the goddess. And it is such a different energy. It is very kind. It is very empowered. It is beauty in a way that we're maybe not familiar with, where it's all about self-acceptance, acceptance of others. So I would say that that on a spiritual plane is very likely what your calling is. I don't know if you resonate with that or not, but there is, there's a big opening happening right now because I think women 
in general, we've just been suppressed in a lot of ways and in our own kind of mental prisons and putting ourselves in our own physical prisons. And so you kind of found the key to get yourself out of that cage so much faster than the rest of us and have been further along on your healing journey. So I do also want to circle back to, again, the identity of how you see yourself now. But I was just curious about the spiritual layer of this, because there was something specific that you had shared with me on our consultation call about Dr. Becker that just was like an instant knowing that he was the one I was going to work with. Um, I was doing a lot of research at the time and I found a lot of doctors and you guys, this is, this is a big, big trend that's happening right now for, and that's a fantastic thing. However, the downside to it is that there's a lot of surgeons taking advantage of that. And I was so desperate to get well that I was looking at surgeons here in Arizona that were close to $20,000. And I just thought, oh my gosh, what, what a huge price to pay for a mistake, right? And so then by some miracle, I find uh, Iwana and Dr. Becker, and you were sharing with me that there was a layer to all of this, because uh, I just couldn't understand why your prices were so incredible. And then not only that, but you guys have a long library archive, photo archive of before and afters of all the women that you you guys have worked on. And that's not something I was finding um, with any of the doctors either. But you had said something along the lines of that this was a spiritual mission for him to undo the damage that had had been done in the industry to women. And I just thought, oh my gosh, that was all I needed to hear. You know, I didn't, none of the other details really Aww. mattered. None of the details mattered to me because I knew that I was connected with somebody who actually cared Aww. about what they're doing. And then not only that, but then the support that you offer on top of it. It was like first class VIP treatment all the way, um, all of the fears really got addressed and removed and it could not have been an easier surgery. And like I said, uh -huh. I had had some bad ones in the past. <laughs> Anyways, I just wanted to give you a chance to speak on the spiritual side of it, if any of that resonates with you. Yeah, I mean, first, thank you so much for saying that. I have so many consultations that that you remembered that is so amazing. Um, I forget what I say sometimes. I'm like, oh God, <laughs> what did I say? But it truly is. He is, and I don't, this isn't a platform to like promote him because there are good surgeons out there. Dr. Becker though, for me, I didn't know him personally at all when I went to him and I got that same vibe, like, He's just normal and he really does just want to help patients. Of course, he's an artist and it's he's a plastic surgeon, but he's not going to sit there and take advantage. He he very well could. He's very high in demand. He right. does around 500 X surgeries a year. Could he charge the 20 grand, 25 grand? Yes, but he's not in it for that. He really does want to help women and he cares a lot about women. So to hear you say that means a lot. Um, and one thing that was missing though, when I did go to Dr. Becker is 
the aftercare, Dr. Becker is great, but I was so insecure with what about this incision or when are they going to fluff out or this yes. scar? There was so many things that there was no blogs back then or Facebook that I could kind of revert, revert to support groups. And I think that's one thing that I knew I needed. So to give that to patients now with Dr. Becker mm-hmm. helps so much because again, your mind, if you're not a hundred percent ready for the surgery, take your time doing it. Make sure you go to a surgeon that has a thousand photos, not just five photos are going to show you, not say they're the best or a magazine says they're the best. You need proof and you need, you need that. And I think you recognizing that is a big reward in itself to hear that. So thank you. Yes. Okay. So we're going to wrap up with the final piece, which is really the identity part, you know, so I know that we touched on it a little bit, but I really want anybody who's listening to this to really spend some time to connect on this one final piece of kind of what, how do you identify now? Because this is a part that I'm actually working on. So I'm very curious for myself of there's you know, there's a neural network in our brain of repetitive thoughts and repetitive feelings. And I mean, there's multiple industries on helping people to break free from specific identities so that they can actually pursue and create the life of their dreams. And but there is a disintegration aspect of letting the old self go and letting the old story go and actually connecting to who it is that we want to be. Cause I can't even imagine you at 40 pounds heavier or sick. You know, <laughs> all I've, all I've known you as. Oh, there's pictures. That... <laughs> They're right? definitely there. Yes. And everyone who knows me in my twenties are like, Oh my God, you've changed so much. So yeah, it's, Wow. So what was that big identity shift for you? Was it something that was kind of an instantaneous thing that happened? Did it take a long time? And what were the things that you were doing in a practical way so that people can at least take away some nuggets of wisdom of how they can start to reorient and retune their thought processes of how they see themselves? Yeah, I mean, I think I don't, it definitely wasn't overnight. Um, I do think that there were certain people who were almost like mentors in my life, if that was a relationship or a person in my life who was so confident. And I always was like, they're so confident and they weren't a model. They weren't the most beautiful person, but the way they carried themselves was so confident. And I think they really, those specific people really, showed me that, okay, I don't have to try to be this perfect person, or I don't have to look good all the time or speak well, or not make mistakes because you can't judge yourself and still think you are who you were a year ago or five years ago. And if people always go back to that, you're, you're going to live in this backward cycle. So I, I just think that you know, specific people in my life who showed me that you don't have to care what everybody thinks and know your worth. I think that's one of the biggest things is I never understood my worth. I think that I just thought very low of myself. And now I'm so confident in, I I definitely don't think I look better than I did in my twenties. That's for sure. But I, I'm so confident in who I am. There's no one that can say something to me that would change who I think I am about myself. Mm -hmm. If I lost 
everything I've earned now, I would be okay. Money isn't everything. Um, relationships aren't everything. Friends aren't everything. I thought I needed to have 5 million friends, but you just have to realize you have to be happy with yourself. I love to be at home alone. I don't need to be social with everybody. I always, you know, certain things like that. I mean, but I'm more confident than I ever have been. And it has nothing to do with my looks. It has to do with who I feel is inside now. There's nothing. And I've, I've been called many things and I've been said many things, you know, people are angry and they're hurting or, you know, there's sometimes people will flip you off on the road, road rage, and you can't take things personal. There's nothing at all that can change how I, how I feel inside as myself. So, right. I don't know if that's a good answer. I just know that you, you have to love yourself. I mean, it's easier said than done, but really I can be at home, no makeup on in pajamas and feel the most content and happy than I am when I'm dressed up out and about in a social setting. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm getting into that space more recently too, where I, I love getting dressed up. I love playing with hair and makeup and I love the experience of that, but it's not in the same way that I felt super attached to it when I was younger. Like I couldn't leave my house without it. And now I leave, oh, now I leave my house either way with no, <laughs> with no problem. Totally. And uh, so I agree. I think it is a journey of acceptance. Bottom line, I don't yeah. think there is anything else that is a higher priority than self-acceptance. That it's true. And I, I just say we're all, everyone's going to die. It's if it's that person you're worried about, <laughs> right? we're all go- going to die. And the people who hear about your story, they're going to die eventually. We're all here. Like, what is the point of stressing about what other people think? Just really love mm-hmm. and your flaws. Don't even call them flaws. Love those, those things about you. And just, I mean, I look at my mom, she's 70 years old she's wrinkled. She's gray hair. She's gained weight. She's a beautiful woman, but she is the most confident woman. And I think having her as a role model helps a lot. And she's so confident who she is. And I just wish everybody had either a friend that way or a role model in their life. But if you don't, you can do it on your own. Like just love yourself. Enough is enough of beating ourselves up and women, especially I mean, we compare ourselves with everybody, tall, blonde, you know, she's curvier, she's skinnier, she has better teeth, better lips, better eyes. Stop comparing yourself. Like that is like, we're done with it. We're all beautiful. Yes, it's the eye of the beholder. But if you're beautiful on the outside and disgusting on the inside, no one cares. (laughs) Be a good heart and be a good person. Everything else will become more beautiful for sure. Yes, I agree. And I'm so excited to see where this all takes you because like you were just saying about how your mom has been that example to you, without a doubt, I see you becoming that example to other women because I'm telling you guys, we need, I have found if we do have a model and if we do have something to witness it changes us like it, sometimes in an instant to just even mm-hmm. know that it's possible. So it's so exciting to think about, wow, what does the world look like when these powerful, genuinely kind, loving women are starting to rise and not simply not tolerating a lot of the brainwashing and 
limiting thoughts and self-judgment that we have unfortunately been conditioned to believe we're true and we're just taking off all of those layers. What is even possible with a world? The sky's the limit. I know. (laughs) I'm telling you, women are amazing. I mean, we are definitely emotional creatures and we are dramatic sometimes. And yeah, (laughs) we're not perfect. I always say like a group of women together, there's going to be bicker. There's always going to be fight. Men, they're just like this. They're even, you know, they're, they, they don't, they're, they talk about senseless things, but that's not the only, that's the most negative thing I can even think of, of women. If that's even negative, we are so amazing. We, you know, raise children. We are loving. We're nurturing. We're multitaskers. We're without us. The world is nothing. So I just really, I just wish women would really appreciate other women too, and not, you know, hate on other women, we should all really be a little more kind. It is easier said than done. Like I just said, I'm not perfect, but I really love that you're bringing so much positive influence to women. Because every time I talk to you, like I told you earlier, you make me feel so good about myself. I I don't even think you realize how much you are a role model in that aspect. You make people around you feel good. My staff loved you. Dr. Becker loved you. Everyone who comes in contact with you, you're like a ray of sunshine. So you have a very positive trait that you do for women. And I love to see it. It's only going to get better from here. Yes. Thank you so much. Yeah, Yeah, you're welcome. Okay, so if anybody is listening to this and they're they're super curious about the possibilities of what explant surgery is and what it could do for them, or maybe they know somebody else who is having some trouble, I would love to connect them with you and Dr. Becker. So what's the best way for them to find, follow you guys and just get some more information? Yeah. I mean, first I always say go to our social media. And I mean that because you don't have to follow Dr. Becker. We don't care about the followers. Mm -hmm. You need to see photos and he has thousands of photos and it's him that's doing it. We don't have a marketing team. It's a very raw, here's our patient in surgery. Here's the day after, here's three months later, here's a year. So go to our social media. If you want to just see people's journeys, um, which is Dr. Bradley Becker, that's the handle for Facebook for Instagram. Um, and then you can even Google, there's hundreds of Google reviews that are raw and we don't control any of them. We don't pay for ads. There's good ones. There's mostly good ones. There's a few really honest ones, which I encourage everybody to just read all reviews and look at photos, Google and, um, Instagram and Facebook. But if you want to call our office to set up a consultation, I'd be happy to help you. You can call our office at 602-610-9111. And um, one of the girls, just let them know, you know, you're from Cat's podcast because he is booked out until May of 2024 right now. And I'll do my best to try to help you at least answer questions for you, for sure. Thank you so much. You're welcome, of course. Okay, and then the last thought is what, yeah, what piece of advice would you kind of give anybody who's listening but more so your younger self like from the perspective of going through the healing journey and actually in a space in your life where you're thriving and you're fulfilling your purpose and you're living the life that you love what advice would you have given your younger self maybe your 20 year old self from what you know now gosh i would definitely say um 
I just think stop comparing yourself to everybody. I just, when I look back on my twenties, I think that I always wanted to look like somebody else, be like somebody else, have more money, like somebody else, be more fit. There's so many things. Um, I just think stop comparing yourself and you don't have to wear makeup everywhere you go. Like you said, I used to go to the grocery store with makeup on. (laughs) I would like even go to bed because I thought if something happened to me in my sleep and they found me, I'm really, if they found me in my sleep, people are going to know what I look like without makeup. It was crazy. So just love yourself and don't compare yourself to people and stop being a people pleaser. Um, I was, I'm a giver and I'm still very generous. If you really know me and my friends know me and people around me, I'm a very generous person. More, more things I get, the more I want to share with everybody else. But I think you need that healthy boundary. And I think stop pleasing everybody and giving to everybody if you're not fulfilling yourself. So those are probably the, and be good to your mom because I wasn't, I, I had such a bad attitude as, as, as a teenager or dad, your parents, be good to your parents because they're there to help you most of the time. And that's probably my two regrets is people pleasing and not being the nicest to my parents. Yes. Wow. Yeah. I think that's so brilliant. The, the boundaries, right. The things that we don't even think of that we are depleting our life force energy when we're giving things in a way that we don't want to give. And I don't think there's anything more self-destructive than that. So yeah, you're welcome. All of that. You're so brilliant and so wise and so excited to yeah just see where this whole path leads you because you are a healer it's like so clear to me and I'm so grateful that I got you to handhold me through the experience and um be that bright shining light of what was possible on the other side I'm so happy to honestly it's is it's the most rewarding part of our job. I'm so tired constantly. I work a lot, but when I hear that and I see our patients happy, I mean, there's not a job more fulfilling than my job. I really feel so blessed to have it. So thank you so much. And there's not enough time in the world to tell you everything positive about it, but really explant and removing your implants is one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. And I would never, ever, ever regret doing that. And I'm over 13 years. So I really hope to see you every year get more improved and happier in your journey. You you seem so happy, but give yourself some grace. Your right. body went through a lot and just be really good to yourself. Every year it's going to get better. And if there's things that are haunting you or bothering you in your life, don't blame it on the surgery or don't blame it on not have, you know, all of those things focus on what you can do just to move forward. Yes. A thousand percent. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Iwana. It's always a pleasure. And thank you to everybody who is sitting and watching and listening. And hopefully in the next month or so, I will release my solo episode on my own healing journey so that you guys, anybody who is walking that same path doesn't feel quite so alone. At least, you know, you have us two sisters out there in the world and, <laughs> uh, and we feel you, we know what it is like. So sending everybody so much love, abundance, healing and blessings, and we'll see you in the next episode. Yes. Bye. bye. Thank you.